Welcome to this episode of Planting Seeds. I'm Keith Jones, the preaching minister of Calera Church of Christ, and I've prepared a short message from Scripture that's intended to be the planting of a seed that, if cultivated, will in time produce fruit in the lives of the listeners. Now, let's get started. Shine upon you and be gracious and give you peace. In this episode, we'll reflect on our desire and need for memorials. In the United States, the last Monday of May is set aside as Memorial Day, a day for us to remember. Memorial Day was originally known as Decoration Day because it was a time set aside to honor the nation's Civil War dead by decorating their graves. It was first observed on May 30th, 1868, to commemorate the sacrifices of Civil War soldiers. During the first celebration of Decoration Day, General James Garfield made a speech at Arlington National Cemetery, after which 5,000 participants helped to decorate the graves of more than 20,000 Union and Confederate soldiers buried in the cemetery. In our time, Memorial Day is celebrated at Arlington National Cemetery with a ceremony in which a small American flag is placed on each grave. Also, it is customary for the president or vice president to give a speech honoring the contributions of the dead and lay a wreath at the tomb of the unknown soldier. About 5,000 people attend this ceremony annually. This day being set apart and being a national holiday speaks to our desire and our need to have memorials. There are certain things that we don't want to forget. We want to make sure that we have triggers that remind us of the event or the time or the feelings that are conjured by the memorial that we establish. Whether it's a day or a statue or an event, we have a need to remember. Scripture finds us prone to forget our history with God. As we read through the story of the Israelites, we see them over and over again having to be reminded by God what he had done for them. In the process of his interaction with them, he had them set up different memorials that would remind them of his work and their connection to him. The Sabbath day was one of those memorials, a weekly reminder of God's work in creation. The Passover was another of those memorials. When they celebrated the Passover, they were to remember that they had been released from slavery. They had left bondage and now were free. And that remembrance was to motivate a lot of the actions that God called them to. They were supposed to not pervert justice because of the way they had been treated in Egypt. They were not supposed to let poor people go hungry, but rather leave food in their fields that poor people could come and take. And the reminder of why that was necessary was the Passover, because Israel were immigrants and refugees in Egypt and were mistreated while they were there. God told them not to mistreat the immigrants and refugees that lived among them. And they had this meal to help them remember. We certainly remember other memorials in the Old Testament, like the rainbow that God set in the sky to be a memorial to God's promise never to flood the entire world with water again. We're told in Scripture that the stones that were in the breastplate of the high priest were a memorial to the 
12 tribes. In the book of Joshua, as the Israelites crossed the Jordan River, they were told to collect 12 stones that would be set up as a memorial so that whenever anyone saw it, they would ask, why are these stones here? And they could tell the story of God delivering his people to the promised land. Over and over again in the Old Testament, we see the establishment of these memorials and the significance of them and what is to be called to remembrance when experienced. In the New Testament, things aren't much different. There are more than 50 calls to remember in the New Testament. One of the most prominent memorials that is established in the time of the New Testament is one that Jesus established himself. We often refer to it as the Lord's Supper communion, the Eucharist, all words used to label a time that we spend remembering the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Unfortunately, though, for many folks who attend church and participate in a communion service, they haven't given much thought to what it is about Jesus they should be remembering. Why did Jesus ask us to participate in this memorial and remember him? What are the things that should be going through our minds as we have this opportunity to remember. There are a lot of things that we could say. I'm going to mention three that Scripture mentions that are important and are in line with the purposes for us sharing the Lord's Supper together. Scripture reminds us that we should always remember our previous condition. As Christians, as redeemed people, we are in a different state of existence than we were prior to coming in contact with the blood of Christ. We're told to remember our previous condition. This has several benefits. Remembering the consequences of being lost should keep us from backsliding. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 and 12, Paul wrote, Therefore, remember that Formerly, you, the Gentiles in the flesh, who are called the uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision, which is performed in the flesh by human hands, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. We need to remember the condition that we were rescued from. We need to realize that our current state is better than our former, and we need to celebrate and relish our current state and live according to that calling. Also, remembering our previous condition and the blessings that come with salvation should lead us to repentance and to good works, doing good things, kind things for other people. Revelation chapter 2, starting in verse 4, says, But I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Therefore, remember from where you have fallen, and repent and do the deeds you did at first, or else I am coming to you and will remove your lampstand out of its place, unless you repent. These are the words of Jesus recorded as spoken to the church in Ephesus in Revelation chapter 2. And Jesus lets them know that because of the blessings of their salvation, they are called to lead a certain kind of life. And if they are not doing that, they should repent or change course, get on the right path and do the good things they were designed to do. So we're told to remember our previous condition. We're also told in Scripture to remember the things we've done. 
basically to learn from our mistakes. Scripture is very clear that awareness is the first step toward repentance. If we're not aware of what we've done, if we can't remember the bad things we've done and and what made them bad, we have difficulty correcting those things. We have difficulty admitting them and changing them. Ezekiel chapter 20 verse 43 says, there you will remember your ways and all your deeds with which you have defiled yourselves and you will loathe yourselves in your own sight for all the evil things that you have done. Ezekiel is recording a prophecy, and in it, Israel is told that they will remember why things have happened the way they did, that they did not trust God and did not do the things he wanted them to do, and there were consequences to that. If we learn from those things in our past, we're not doomed to repeat them. We can learn from them and grow. So it's important for us to remember the things that we have done. Unfortunately, some people, as they reminisce about the things that they've done in their past that are wrong, they're almost romanticized and celebrated. But our purpose for remembering them is not to desensitize us to those things and to decide that maybe it wasn't that bad, but it's to give God a chance to set everything right. Luke chapter 16, verse 25 says, But Abraham said, Child, remember that during your life you received your good things, and likewise Lazarus bad things. But now he is being comforted here, and you were in agony. That quotation attributed to Abraham is from Jesus' story of the rich man and Lazarus. And after they die, they find themselves in two very different realities. Lazarus experienced bad things in his life. Some of them may have even been the result of choices that he made, but because of his trust in the Lord... Those things were set right, and now Lazarus is experiencing the good things. We have to be aware of the bad things that have happened in our lives. It's what helps us correct our course and stay on the right path. We want to learn from those mistakes and not repeat them so that God can set everything right for us. When we remember our previous condition and we remember the things that we've done, we remember the price that Jesus paid for us on the cross. Without Jesus dying, being buried, and then being raised to new life, our previous condition is the condition we would still be in. The mess that we make of our own life with our bad choices would still continue because we wouldn't have a path out of that. So when we come to the table for communion, for the Lord's Supper, we remember our previous condition and we remember that Jesus saved us from that. That's part of remembering him. We remember the things that we've done and how they did not get us closer to God. But through Jesus, we have access to God. Another aspect of this Lord's Supper is that it gives us the chance to remember the power of God. When we remember the power of God, it makes the world a less scary place. God tells the Israelites in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 18, you shall not be afraid of them, the inhabitants of Canaan. You shall well remember what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and to all Egypt. Because they had this ability to remember what God had done through Moses to Pharaoh and the Egyptians, they had nothing to be afraid of when they went to Canaan. Remembering the Passover, celebrating the Passover was a reminder that they had nothing to fear because of the power of God. For us, as we take communion and remember Jesus' work on the cross, what it means for him to be raised from the dead. 
the world should be a less scary place for us, too, because the fear of death should be gone. God triumphed over death in Jesus. We know that now we will be resurrected from the dead. We will get to live forever, and that should keep us from being afraid in this world. But that power that raised Jesus from the dead also will keep us from being overwhelmed by our own troubles. Psalm 78 verse 42 says, They, the Israelites, did not remember his power the day that he redeemed them from their adversary. In the psalm, Israel is being described as being overwhelmed by their circumstances and their enemies, and it's because they did not remember the power of God. When we come to the table and share in communion, it was the power of God that raised Jesus to life and gives us hope, and it's remembering that we have access to that power that should keep us from being anxious about our troubles. And coming to the table is also an opportunity to remember to stay humble. In Romans chapter 11, Paul has been using an analogy of a vine and branches. And Jesus is the vine and branches are on this vine. Jews were branches of the original vine and Gentiles are being grafted into the vine and being part of this new plant whose root is Jesus. And in verse 18, he says, do not be arrogant toward the other branches. But if you are arrogant, remember that it is not you who supports the root but the root supports you. These grafted-in branches, the Gentiles, were tempted to be arrogant toward Jews who were having difficulty understanding God's work in Jesus. It didn't always look the way they expected it to, and so they struggled with this and even fought against it. And Paul is telling Gentiles in Rome not to be arrogant about that just because they've already figured it out and have accepted Christ as king. You don't have a right to be arrogant toward people who haven't reached your same level of understanding or the same status that you find yourself in. Jesus is the one who supports us. We don't support Jesus. Jesus is the one who feeds us, and he is the one who feeds everyone, and he is the one that's calling everyone to himself. We are not making that happen. Jesus is. And so we don't get to be arrogant toward others. So we remember to stay humble when we see the work of God in Jesus on the cross. When we come to a table for the purpose of remembering Jesus, we remember to stay humble because Scripture tells us that He's our example in humility. We can do this by exalting the work of God, by being aware of the effects of evil, by learning from the mistakes of others, and by knowing the ways that we provoke God. When we do these things, we remember our place. We remember that God is in charge. We're not running our lives and asking God to bless it. We're surrendering our lives to God because he knows the best way to prepare us for an eternity with him. And when we're tempted to forget that, we have opportunity to gather around the table and remember Jesus. Thank you for listening. You can find more of these messages on our website, calirachurchofchrist.org, or subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Twitter.